0: Episode 14, Bobber. I never really cared about fishing, if I'm being honest. Like really, who would? You stand on the shore or in a boat or on a dock and just throw shit in the water and hang out until something happens? Give me a break, man. I can think of a million better things to do on a Tuesday in the middle of the night, let alone every other day and time of the week. It's just macho bullshit. It's something guys raise guys to do. A bunch of manly men going out and being all, you know what will prove how fucking cool I am? I'll hook a fish, get covered in scales, and then, after all that, have to gut it and clean it and cover myself in its fucking blood and shit. What a riot. Right. Jesus, the things people sometimes feel like they have to do to fit in with a status quo that they had no part in writing. It's bullshit, it's fucking bullshit. But then who am I to judge, right? The first time my dad took me out on the boat, I think I was at least somewhere in the neighborhood of nine years old. I didn't know a damn thing about what I was doing, hadn't a clue, but all that mattered to him was teaching his kid the same thing his shitty father had ground into him year after abusive fucking year. The guy had blinders on, alright? Like this one time I was walking through Times Square in the middle of the winter and there was this couple that looked like they'd just gotten engaged, waiting in line to get one of those horse and buggy things that look romantic in movies, but really just smell like shit and intestinal distress. And this guy, some fucking fancy looking dude who looks like he's never even heard of the word callous, let alone had one, he drops his phone, right? And he goes to pick it up and gets kicked right in the fucking head. Bam, the the guy is down for the count and this lady is crying. He's fucking sobbing and the, And the, I don't know, the the horse guy, he comes running around and rolls the guy over and his jaw is just kind of hanging off. It's just gone, man. Like, fucking gone. Half of his face is ripped up so bad it looks like Christmas paper when you tell a kid a new PlayStation is waiting for him on the other side. And his- and his mouth is just hanging in pieces, with one half of his jaw and teeth jutting up so far he looks like a gopher, while the other was hanging down past his collarbone. <laughs> it scarred me, man. And- and like, I guess I know that means the whole blinder analogy doesn't work, but fuck. Fuck, man. Am I supposed to swear? Am I- am I even allowed to? Hell, no, I, I don't even know. I'll tone it down just in case, otherwise what's the fucking point? Alienation is a hell of a fucking thing. Anyway, so, my, my dad died a little while back. I've always wondered if I was supposed to capitalize that word when I write it down, but I never have, because not only have I never known if I was supposed to, I also don't think anything about the man ever rose to the status of being an actual father. I know some people might grimace at that and be all family is family and say things that are better spent laminated and stuck on some old white lady's wall, but those people just never really know what it's like to have a hell of a childhood where the bastard that's running the show is an abusive animal who's better off left in one of those slaughterhouse shoots where they put a bolt gun to a cow's head and don't even bother saying goodbye. Just BAM and brain goo oozes out of that hole like it is someplace it really needs to go. Sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to be compassionate but he really was a piece of work. There was nothing about that man I loved and I swear to god or whoever I really have tried. I didn't want to be the person who got screwed over and had to carry the weight of trauma and all that therapy level shit but it turns out that I guess we don't really have all that much say in the matter. Which, if I'm being real, doesn't seem remotely fair. Other people fuck us up for life and we're just supposed to happily pay the price? In what world is that right or fair? But then I guess life's not fair. My mom always used to say that, no matter what happened, she'd go, Sam, life's not fair. And I'd just take it. I'd just nod and go along with this bizarre idea that everything that was happening to me was valid because life didn't need anything to justify its purpose for being. Dad beats you bloody? Too bad, life's not fair. Don't have enough money to pay for school lunches? Too bad, life's not fair. Your mom tells you over and over again that your dad isn't the problem, but instead the problem is you and your big mouth for telling him that he's a creep in more ways than one? Too fucking bad. And why? Yeah. Yeah, 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 you, you guessed it. Cause life's not fucking fair. You know what, now that I think about it, I don't really think I ever cared for my mom that much either. But she's been gone about 10 years now, since my senior year in college, so there's no point in kicking a legitimately dead horse. Nah, this is is more about my dad, that motherfucker who made every bit of my childhood a living hell except those horribly silent hours we'd spend in a boat, watching water move while we waited to pull something on board other than driftwood or seaweed. You'd think at least the silence would be better than all the screaming and the beatings, but honestly it wasn't. It was like, you know in those spy movies where a guy is trying to defuse a bomb? It was like that, but all the time, except you could never see the countdown on the bomb you were trying to stop from going off, you were just having to take it on faith that it just wouldn't. You were sitting on a boat in the middle of nowhere with no land in sight and you just had to hope that the person sitting next to you wouldn't have any reason to take away the only life you had. I'm telling you, there's nothing quite like the horror and the dread that went hand-in-hand hand with that feeling. I've passed days and weekends grounded in my bedroom, staring at the white popcorn ceiling, and I swear the time passed by more quickly in those moments than the few hours spent on that rusty bucket my dad called a boat. At some point or another he gave it some stupid name, but I'll never be able to remember it. It had something to do with mermaids or underwater creatures that were more real in his head than his love for me, but that's not really what's important. I lost my dad a long time before he actually died, and there's no point in dragging you through that fucking misery. That's just how life goes, I guess. I'm just glad my mom didn't have to be there when no one showed up to his funeral. I didn't even have to bother going through the formalities of a eulogy, since the priest was the only one who was really a part of the festivities. He simply did his thing, said all the words I understood and all the words I didn't, and then his attendants put my dear old dad in the ground on a day that was somewhat surprising in its sunshine and heat. And all the movies that try to prepare you for that moment always show days of overcast clouds and rain, but for us, it was a perfect July morning, and there was nothing about the world to tell us that we should be sorry about what happened. That part was what I was most thankful for, if I'm being honest. Cause I wasn't sorry. It had taken him 70 years to finally die, and I wasn't going to be anything other than happy that the moment had finally come. The doctors said it was caused by a stroke, but if I'm being real with you, I was barely listening. It was like going to a clinic and being told that you no longer had herpes. Just a waterfall of relief that everything that was bad, everything that had haunted you for so goddamn long had vanished into smoke. The man in the boat was gone. The torment of my days and nights had been buried beneath us all in shovel after shovel full of dirt and I was left standing in a life that had once been defined by everything that was wrong, only to be immediately replaced by everything that just... was. I was no longer a shithead kid defined by his deadbeat dad, and I definitely wasn't trapped in place by a mom who told me that every bit of what I thought was so awful was worth putting up with. I was just a fucking shadow left on a bedroom wall and every other wall I'd ever been unlucky enough to pass by. I was left behind by the same assholes who ruined my life and I don't know if that was unfair or not. It seemed like it was, but then again the only other option was for me to have died first and there was no way in hell I was going to give them that kind of satisfaction. No, no, it was for the best they died. But that didn't mean I wasn't left a bit adrift and people who are in mourning settle on some strange coping mechanisms. Whatever it takes to get through, right? That's how I wound up on the water again. After the funeral and all its depressing emptiness, I went for a drive to try to clear my head as I did my best to come to terms with whether to be happy or sad that the man was dead. I always thought it'd be easy to pick which one that I'd be happy as hell because I'd never again have to worry about seeing the guy again, but It turns out that grieving is kind of a bitch and can throw you for so much of a loop that you wind up missing someone you've always wanted dead. So I drove, and I didn't stop until I found an old familiar lake that still had the old man's dock at its edge with the little fishing boat bobbing slowly at its end. Out of everything I could think to do, going out in that boat seemed as good a way as any to say goodbye to someone I didn't care about. I didn't have any intention of dropping a line in the water. I just wanted to get out in the middle of that peace and quiet so I could think, but Dad always kept our fishing rods on the floor, right next to a shitty cooler, in between two seats. It was a rust bucket of a thing, but it was safe and it could get me wherever it was I thought I needed to go, so fuck it, right? I parked my truck, walked down along the water while barely avoiding the mobs of seagulls that cluttered the shore on a foggy midweek morning, And I flinched every time my feet hit the dock. I couldn't help that last part at all. That's just how memories go. Every step I took I heard the echo of my dad walking with me, following me, and it fucking sucked. I couldn't get in the boat fast enough and I swear to god I was almost running by the time I got there. It just took me back too far too fast, you know? Memories just flooded back of that old man staring down at me silently, as if he was begging me to say something about how I wanted to be somewhere else. It really was like he was still alive. And god damn did I hate that. Wounds heal weird, I guess. I I was just trying to heal mine, and when I got the motor going and started cutting waves, I really did feel good about it. It felt right, and while I wasn't saying goodbye, I'd done that a long fucking time ago and wasn't about to do it again. I felt a bit at peace, and a little bit of that peace settled over me. I might have hated fishing and spending time with the guy, but once I was out on the water alone there was such a gentle peace to the whole thing that I kind of wound up resenting him all over again. It pissed me off basically. I hated that something so pleasant and calming could have wound up corrupted to shit by the presence of a man I'd been tied to my entire life. And it really was that, I swear. For just a little while I felt like I was actually getting away from all that shit I'd left on the shore. The dead body, the weird vibes, and that uncomfortable talk you have to have with your boss when you tell him that you don't need time off because you're not remotely sad about your dead dad. Out on the lake, things were just good. And without him, they were even better. (laughs) It was one of those things, right? I I swear, on the drive, all I really intended to do was stand on the shore and scream the sort of cathartic scream you hear and see people doing in movies all the time. You know, those dramatic-ass tear-falling Oscar scenes. That's all I really wanted. But life's weird, and when I got the push to head out like we both had so many times before, usually after he'd beaten me and my mom bloody, I just ran with it. I'd been through enough, and I believed in my gut instinct. That little whisper had gotten me through the hellhole that was my childhood and every moment since, and yeah, I guess a lot of the credit goes to therapy, cause I wound up finding a great therapist eventually, but My gut got me to that point, too, so I've always had that little burst of self-belief to get me through the rough shit, and it had never really steered me wrong before. Sure, in some of our sessions, my doc would warn me that you never know where that voice is coming from, that sometimes it might be a repressed memory from a traumatic event, but that had never really been the case. It was all me, all the time, and it felt good to trust myself so when I cut the motor once I'd been cruising for well over an hour, it seemed like a pretty solid fucking idea. Autumn had just hit us, so all the trees on the shore were going yellow, and the fog made it feel like I'd been dropped in some painting that only pretentious art dicks know about. It just felt good, and right. If I was gonna say goodbye to my shithead dad, I might as well do it in a familiar place where I could take back some bit of everyday beauty he'd stolen and keep it for myself. There was no reason that had to die with him too, and if there was ever a chance I was gonna take back the water, I was almost positive it was gonna have to be in that moment. If I waited and dragged my feet day after day, it'd just start building, you know? Like every shoe dragged toe first builds a little wall of dirt or sand right in front of it. That's kinda how I felt about the whole water thing. That wall was going to rise if I let him take it from me and there was nothing about the man that said he'd ever let me in once he did. I'd had enough, you know. All that shit had gone on for way too long and I think perhaps there's only so much a guy can take. So when I cut the motor and dropped a line in the water, it felt natural and right. I felt like, for the first time in my life, I was doing whatever I wanted to do without his shadow hanging right the fuck over me, as heavy as one of those shield mats they drape over you when you get an x-ray. I've had several of those, uh, seven or eight I think, so I know the feeling. There have been broken fingers, broken ribs, a broken arm and ankle, and a couple others I can't quite remember. My doctor always said my brain was going to go first after all the concussions, but you know what? If I'm going to forget things, at least it's one or two of the times that dickhead broke my bones. It could be worse. Maybe if i give given enough time and hit my head against a wall once or twice, I'll be able to wipe away most of the last 30 years. It'd be pretty sweet to be able to start over fresh and from the beginning without all this shit weighing me down. But yeah, I guess that's not how life works. It'd be pretty sweet if it did work like that, though. Pretty fucking sweet. I think one of the few things I actually liked about fishing with him was the bobbers we'd use. He had these neon purple ones that I think he'd spray paint out in the garage the night before, and there was something mesmerizing to watch as they dipped in and out of the little waves that would push them around the lake. I focused on them a lot when we went out, it was either that or having to look at the man who was usually at least two beers in and working on a third or a fourth. So watching the bobber and hoping with all my heart that it would drop below the surface so the guy could act like he liked me for once was by far my better option. And it did sometimes. There were days when we got back to the shore and he'd throw his arm around my shoulders as we rolled to the cooler back to the truck. But then there were times when we wouldn't catch anything and he'd grow so sullen and drink so heavily that we had to have mom come out and pick us up there was this one time, when my rod just about snapped in half and we almost fell over thinking we had something special, only to reel it in and find an enormous snapping turtle on the other end of the line. He'd tell that story every time I saw him over the years as if it was the greatest thing that had ever happened to us, and I guess maybe it was? But he always left out the part where, in a drunken rage, he used a gloved hand to pull the line out just far enough that He was able to crush the turtle's head with a baseball bat he kept in the bottom of the boat for stunning fish. I still remember that sound, the hollow and heavy repetitive thuds that echoed out over empty water. He never mentioned that part, and to be honest, he was so drunk at that point that I wonder if he ever really remembered doing it. That, I think, was the day I realized I hated my father. The turtle had done nothing wrong other than a mistake, a lure for a snack, and all he got for his trouble was his head bashed in by an alcoholic asshole. I remember wondering in those moments as he cackled and swung a child's bat that steadily grew bloodier if one day that turtle might be me. I wondered if the time would come where a fist no longer did the trick and the piece of shit would grab a baseball bat instead. And out of all the things we did together, That was the story he loved to relive the most. That time his boy had almost caught a turtle. What a fucking piece of work. Back when my mom was still alive, she'd say shit like, you should be grateful. Some kids don't have a father at all. And honestly, what kind of bullshit was that? I would have had an empty space standing next to me my entire life instead of the trauma and memories I got. What a goddamn crime to tell that to a kid. To her kid. Nah, I, I just remember watching him sit back down in the boat, blood splattering his lucky fishing shirt, and wondering why I hadn't pushed him overboard. His eyes were bleary and glazed, and the boat was already filling with empty pounders, so it might not have even been that hard, but I couldn't do it. Instead, I just sat completely still and watched the purple bobber hanging in the air until he'd cut my line and baited a new hook. He probably said something cruel and cutting along the way, but I was in my own world, watching a small purple cloud dance in the wind until it eventually dropped back into the water, where I could watch it slowly get lost in the waves. I don't even remember baiting a hook or slapping a lure on the end of my line before it went in the water, but I'm sure I must have done something. Then again, maybe I didn't. Maybe the day was just peaceful enough and the boat empty enough that I really didn't need anything other than to watch an aged and flaking purple bobber floating in the water that was mostly still. Every now and then it would dip a little, and I'd wonder if I was about to catch something, but then it would go back to doing its typical bobber thing, and I'd be able to sit back and let go of a little more of that anxiety. I told myself he wasn't around anymore, and there wasn't going to be a penalty for coming back empty-handed. but. You'd be fucking shocked to know that getting past some things isn't that easy sometimes i think there are battles you just don't get to win i try not to dwell on it too much it all just bums me out and i can feel myself getting dragged back down into places i don't want to go but i don't have too much control over that anymore i'm just a piece of plastic on the waves but hey Three hours I had to myself, and I spent most of them enjoying myself in the silence. My feet kicked up on the big cooler that never left the boat and my hand trailing absent-mindedly in the water. I had to have fallen asleep a time or two because there's nothing as relaxing as the gentle slap of waves against the side of a boat, but I don't ever really remember waking up. You know that weird jerk thing you do when you doze off and bam, you're back at it? Never happened. So maybe I didn't fall asleep. Maybe I was just feeling super thoughtful and got lost wondering why I hadn't cremated my dad and dumped him on the side of a road somewhere. I just know that one moment I was sitting in a misting fog, drifting somewhere between mourning and elation, and the next I was sitting straight up, looking at a fishing pole that had been about bent in half and a purple orb that was no longer anywhere to be seen. The sun had burnt away most of the fog and the lake was entirely empty, leaving nothing more than me, the boat, and the unmistakable sound of fishing line being pulled into the depths of cloudy waters. It reminded me of that scene in Jaws where they finally hooked the shark and the sound that fucking reel made. It always reminded me of sizzling bacon and all I could think of was the turtle and my father with a bat in his hand. I think if I'm being brutally fucking honest, I probably just sat and stared for longer than anyone who's ever gone fishing would like to admit, but eventually I lunged for the pole and punched the button, locking the line so I could slowly start to reel in whatever had taken an empty hook. I could almost hear him whispering in my ear, telling me what he'd do to me if I let this one get away too, but I managed to block most of that out because once a motherfucker is dead, they're not supposed to be allowed to hurt you anymore. And I didn't. I took that pole in my hands and began to reel in something that I couldn't see, a mass from the depths that I hoped would be a bass but would be more than happy with a catfish that would take me hours to bring in and I think I even allowed myself a smile. You have no idea what that moment was like, you have no fucking idea at all. It was as if I was standing next to my father's coffin, the open casket I'd been talked into by a priest I'd never met and yet I was finally allowed to stand at the top of a towering fucking podium and scream everything I wanted at the corpse I could finally corner. Standing in the boat, watching the water roll, I could tell him now that I was better than him. I was stronger than him, and I would continue to do every single thing he'd ever done, but I'd do it better than him. I can't imagine you'd know what that feels like, and to be honest I really hope you never do, but for me, Alone in a world that had once been marked and claimed by a man I'd always wanted dead? Well, that was one gift too many, and as they were raining down, I welcomed and treasured every single one. I don't know if you've ever gone fishing. I really hope not because it's pretty goddamn stupid, but if you haven't, then there really isn't too much to it. You stand strong, you reel slowly, and you yank hard on that fucking pole to get the hook set. And then the battle begins, the slow reel of something you can't see, hoping you can pull it out of its world and into yours before the hooks slip. It unfolds slowly, it really does, and you'll feel sweat building in the small of your back as your shoulders grow tired and you watch tremors follow the line as the fish far below swims every direction it can find in the hope that it'll break free. All this time, your hand slowly moves in that deliberate circle, bringing the line taut until you yank to reset the hook and reel again. And you feel the darkness parting again and again like curtains at the beginning of a new day. And it's just a rinse and fucking repeat over and over again. And then the fish, and, and then the fish that was just fucking supposed to, the, the fish comes up becoming clear as murky, deep waters become something much less bleak and mysterious and it's supposed to be just about anything. Any fish worthy of a battle. Anything worthy of turning to my father and screaming a defiant fuck you with the knowledge that you finally bettered him even at the thing he loved most. You're pissing on his grave that you paid good money for. Not him. You. And that's all you've really ever lived for, whether you realize it or not. All your fucking life you've been working for this idea that you can break him down like he once broke you, and that's all you need to succeed. I swear to god, even the ones I don't really know about, that's all I've ever been looking for. I just wanted a way to win. I just wanted a way to look him in the eye and say that I was better, I've always been better, and he was nothing more than a ghost and something to rot in the hole. But that's not what happened. I was anticipating a catfish, a bit of vegetation or fucking waterlogged wood. Hell, I would have even been ready for a turtle to rise from the depths like some sort of bullshit sign that my life was doomed to constant repetition and my dad would always be with me no matter how hard I tried to deny it. I've read books, I know how that cyclical shit goes, and I was so ready. I was ready to confront every little bit of crippling reality that was waiting for me but instead what rose near the surface was a man, part of a man, as he bobbed just beneath the sheen of water as if it was a pane of bulletproof glass. He was blinking even though his eyes were hollow holes, his eyelids sucked in by the pressure and he looked like he'd been dropped in the water a long time ago and had spent all that time being casually eaten by scavengers that were lucky enough to pass by. His torso was tattered like a flag loose strips of flesh waving in the dark water, and even though he was lingering deep enough and had stopped struggling, I could still see the pale white of wet bone and bits of organs that weren't meant to be exposed. It looked like he'd been bitten in half by a shark, like that one guy in Jaws, and even through all that, whenever his eyes opened and darkness stared right through me, I knew he was looking at the sun he'd left behind. Seconds passed, and then minutes as I watched his mouth slowly open and close, taking deep breaths of water that seemed to have nowhere to go, and I'd be lying if I said I knew what to do. It was like the stages of grief, but different. All I felt were two things, and they were fear and joy. And I had no idea which one I was supposed to feel more, which one I felt more. Fear that the man I'd seen dead was back? joy that this was his life now. Then I wondered if it was some freak accident and a still living man had been thrown out to sea, but you'd be shocked how realistic you can be even when you're seeing impossible things. I'd watched him die through a pane of glass at the hospital, and I'd seen him in the morgue, and then I'd watched as a lovely mortician cut him apart for burial i lied all those times and told the professionals attending that i just hadn't been able to let go but that wasn't remotely true i just wanted to savor every moment i possibly could and that sounds cold but hey blame him maybe for one split second i turned into the man he must have wanted me to be every time his mouth opened and the silent gasp of a fish on the line, I saw the silver flash of a hook rooted deep in the roof of his mouth. And every time he blinked over hollow holes, I thought about how freeing it was that I could finally look him in the eyes without the fear driving me to look away. You'd be shocked by how powerful a moment like that can feel. What it's like to see a tormentor and monster back as a monster, yet somehow being both helpless and weak. Now and then he'd reach out, swiping at the line with hands that were missing small chunks that had been eaten away, and each time it would send a tremor through the line, and rings would spread out across the lake like the effects of a pebble in a pond. The movements were so weak that it was almost hard to forget the time he'd beaten my mom in the backyard by the above-ground pool, and how he'd laughed at me, ridiculed me, for doing nothing to intervene. He thought it was funny, I guess. He'd looked across the lawn, and seen a teenage kid who'd rather watch brutal violence than ever risk getting involved. Maybe that's what he thought I'd do as he floated in still water, his arms not strong enough to swim away without his legs. I thought for a time that perhaps that's what I should do. Maybe the lake was some fitting punishment mapped out by things I couldn't see, by gods who knew what a place of pain such a natural bit of beauty could be. So I almost did leave him. I almost hauled him up close enough to beat the shit out of his head until nothing but a bloody mass dropped back into the deep waters of a lake I knew I'd never go back to. It would have been fitting and cinematic. Cathartic? Is that a word, or at least a word I can use in that spot? No, I don't know. It would have been something, that much I know. But it also would have been over. I guess that's why I put on the thick rubber glove that every good fishing boat should have on board, and I guess that's why I wrapped the line around my hand and pulled until he was just close enough for me to haul him into the boat by those empty fucking eye sockets that might as well have been gills. He didn't even make a sound as I did, not when I jerked him out of the water and not when I dropped him like dead weight in the bottom of the boat. Instead he just laid there, gasping silently as water dribbled out of his mouth in a steady stream as if he'd been drinking it so that he could stay alive. And I stood there in a boat rocking gently, watching as he grasped weakly at things he was no longer strong enough to hold. It was pathetic, really. And it was so weird to me that I could be watching half a man with so much skin and muscle having been eaten away and not feel a single bit of fear. He didn't even have a bottom lip anymore, as that had to have been ripped away by either a passing fish or the rocky bottom of a wild lake. He was a freak, some undead monstrous thing that had found its way to a lake instead of the pit of hell he deserved, and somehow he wasn't nearly as scary as the man he used to be. I nudged him with my foot when he closed his eyes, only for them to immediately open as his head lolled sideways to look at me. For a second he might have smiled, but that kind of thing is really hard to tell when you've only got the one lip. Just in case he did though, and just in case it wasn't the hook in his mouth that was dug so deep and I wouldn't have taken it out even if it wasn't, I stepped on his right hand, the one least treated like fish food, and put every bit of weight on it until I heard bones snap. I don't know which ones, he'd never let me finish high school let alone teach me anything worth knowing. but. I know something happened because his head rolled back and forth and his mouth fell open as he blinked vacantly at the side of the boat. I wondered for a split second what it must have felt like to be him, but I shrugged it off and started the boat headed back to shore. I guess I already knew the answer to that. The parking lot and docks were completely empty when the boat nudged up into the shallows and I tied us off. I'm not even going to begin to try to lie and tell you that I treated him with any amount of care or any bullshit like that. I just hauled him out of the boat the same way I had hauled him in, the effort and the weight tearing the skin from his eye halfway up his forehead. And then I just dragged him along the sand, then the grass, then the blacktop until we finally reached the pickup truck. I think the funniest thing I learned as I did it completely at peace with the hell of it all, was that bodies don't bleed at all when they've been left in the water for so long. I don't know why that is, fuck, I don't know if it's that's actually how things are all the time or not, but for him and me, it worked out just fine. Instead of a trail of blood, all that was left behind to say we'd ever been there were bits of flesh and fingernails that came away like a fish's scales. He didn't say anything as I threw him on the floor of the passenger's side, folding his arms when one got caught and all torn up on the runner. I wondered if that was maybe because his tongue had been eaten out at some point and if he'd felt it. I hoped so, but I have no clue if he would have been able to talk even if it was still there. I just know that he stared at me the whole time I drove us home, back to the house that had once been his but now was just mine and do you know what? For the first time in my life, I was able to stare right back. I mean, I guess there's a chance it didn't count. Maybe you can't really get a win by staring at the corpse of your dad when he hasn't got anything left but empty holes and those weird dangly muscles spilling out of his head as if he was crying worms, but it meant something to me. It meant I was finally special. (sighs) I suppose I should tell you that as soon as I committed to taking him home, I knew what I was going to do with them. It didn't take a whole lot of imagination, and I didn't have to google any weird shit on the internet, I just fucking knew. It felt like someone was talking to me, Uh, whispering great ideas in my ear, and I've never been a musician, but I always imagined that was how musicians and singer types felt when they had a great song pop up in their heads. One second, confusion, freaked out, uncertainty. Next second, just knowing. Just fucking knowing. I don't think I've ever been happier than I was that day, driving down the interstate with my dad spilling water and leeches on the floor of my truck. At some point, I rolled down the windows, partly because of the smell, but also because it was a beautiful day, and it had never felt more right to turn up the radio and sing along to some classic summer songs. I memorized every one that played on that drive home, and I have them all saved on my phone as a playlist for whenever I feel like I'm letting life get me down. I just think about my dad, and the first and only time I ever learned what a spine looks like when it ends only halfway down. That was almost two years ago, and I still live in the house I grew up in, except now I know I'll never leave. Instead, I had some guys from the city come down and build me a fish tank aquarium thing in the middle of what used to be my childhood bedroom. I didn't really have the money for it, but I knew them from some painting work I once did for them a long while back as a druggy dropout, and they owed me a solid because of some coke I'd got for them when the whole state ran low. I just said it was for an alligator, and apparently people are fucking crazy because they didn't even blink twice. They just set it up and were out of town after just a couple days. They didn't say much of anything, just did their thing and fucked off, and I even got them to throw in a big ass heat lamp because I told them I might change my mind and get something from a desert island instead. They told me to go with a Gila monster, but I honestly don't even know what that is. They might have just been fucking with me. Most of the time I just let him float in that thing. A couple weeks ago, I even threw in some fake plastic coral reef shit to brighten the place up, but sometimes if I'm pissy or I turn around when I'm watching the game and see him staring at me, I'll get some nasty fucking things from another tank I have in the living room. Did you know you can actually buy piranhas? Blew my fucking mind if I'm being honest, and yeah, they're not the super killers all those horror movies make them out to be, but they sure do like eating things. I'd be lying if it didn't make me smile to see my dad slowly swing at the four of them as they darted around him and took away little pieces until they got full. Sometimes, if I've had a few too many drinks, I'll stand there and scream at him to swing faster and laugh at him because of how slow he's gotten. I'll tell him that it's like he's punching underwater, but if he gets the joke, I'll never know. There's not enough of his face left to really get humor across. Hell, just the other day, I saw a fish swim out of a hole in his cheek. A fucking fish. Who would have thought? And some days, you know, I guess some days he really gets to me. The memories just come back a little stronger, and on those days... On those days, I empty the tank out and crank up the heat lamp before I go to bed. This one time, I accidentally slept in, and by the time I got out there, I could hear his skin sizzling like breakfast bacon as he laid sprawled out across the bottom of the glass. Scared the shit out of me, if I'm being honest, but, in honest to God, smelled good. That was the freakiest part, and I shit you not, I've been a vegetarian ever since. But then I'll get a bit bored watching his skin slowly split from the dryness and the heat and... I'll fill it all back up with water so that he can just float there like a dead body that somehow doesn't know it's dead yet, and he'll just watch me. He'll always fucking watch me as if it's killing him that he can't get out, and if he could, he couldn't do anything anyway. I'm sure someday there'll come a time when I get sick enough with the whole thing that I just let him die, but to be honest, I don't actually know if he even can. Maybe he's one of those nightmare things that's just going to be there forever. I guess that would kind of wind up being a joke on me then, huh? After after all this, after all he did, I wind up being his fucking caretaker until he outlives me anyway. I suppose there's a chance of that, but I'm honestly putting my money on the fact that sooner or later, there just won't be anything left for the fish to eat. At some point, he's just going to be a pile of bone at the bottom of a fish tank after the last bit of muscle is pulled away from the last joint. I don't know if I'll be sad when that happens or not. Sometimes I think I will. Like, I'll be a kid on Christmas who finds out that even the best toy in the world can sometimes break. On other days? Yeah, well, there haven't been too many of those other days if I'm being real with you. It's just nice to watch him suffer, you know? Even if he can't feel anything. Even if he doesn't know what's happening. Just in case. A couple nights ago I had a dream that the heat from the lamp got just hot enough that the glass broke, and I woke up in bed to the sight of that eyeless face, crawling toward me from the foot of the bed, arm over arm like an army crawl, that open mouth hanging from loose and missing muscle, and without any lips it really did look like he was smiling so fucking wide. After that I started padlocking my door, just in case. I'm not gonna say I'm scared of dreams, but hey, my life got way better after I found my dead dad who's still totally buried in a Catholic cemetery, floating in the bottom of a lake, so I'm not gonna take any chances. Maybe after all this, that would be fitting, though. Karma type shit, you know? But not until we're on equal footing, not until I know for fucking sure that I've done enough to him to settle my scores and debts. That's how it's supposed to be, right? That's justice? I don't know anymore. It's really just kind of amazing how sad vacant eye sockets can appear to be. They're just black holes and one day... Fuck, I I don't know. just feels like they'll swallow me. But hey, if I had to put money on it, I still think what's left of him will break down before anything bad happens. And if that's how it ends, If he finally goes away but on my terms, well, I'll always have the purple bobber as a memento, as my token. I keep it in my pocket wherever I go and at night I set it on my bedside table so I can fall asleep looking at it. There's nothing weird about it, it's just like how some guys have lucky coins and that kind of thing. No matter where I am or what I'm doing, I'll always be able to look at that little purple sphere and remember how great the bad things can sometimes be. He's watching me now, his face pressed up against the glass as he slowly taps it with his finger. I guess he's been through it enough that he always knows what's going to happen next, but just because the thrill of it all is gone for him doesn't mean that's true for me. It's a Sunday night after all, and the game is about to start, so... As the music from the speaker system kicks in and I watch him slowly click his teeth together, almost as if he's trying to match the beat, I start to drain the tank and flip the switch on the heat lamp that's bigger than his love seat that sits empty in the living room. And I just smile. I just smile at my dad, and the whole room lights up red.